The Aggie schedule is tough, but manageable. You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in the Locked On Aggies. I'm your host, Andrew Stefaniak. Thanks for making Locked On Aggies your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to us by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college and enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE and you're going to receive a free Yeti-style cup with the Bird Dogs logo on it. Today we're going to talk about the strength of schedule the Aggies got going on this year and it's kind of, it's it's a tough schedule, but every schedule in the SEC is a tough schedule. That's all stuff we're going to talk about today. So, to get going here, the Aggies' strength of schedule is 16th, so they have the 16th toughest schedule in the country this year. There are nine SEC teams ahead of the Aggies, and six Texas A&M opponents are ahead of the Aggies. So, I think the biggest thing testament here is to the sec in general hats off to the sec it's a tough schedule it's tough every year it's a gauntlet i feel like people overuse the word gauntlet but it is a gauntlet so for you to be able to have a the 16th best schedule that's more manageable than a schedule like this i i kind of looked some at some other schedules to see like well why are these guys ranked above texas a&m x y and z for that Ole Miss, of course, who's number one on this list of strength of schedules. I don't I just feel bad for them. Here, you ready for this? At Bama, at Georgia, and at Auburn. Those are three tough atmospheres. And then, of course, Bama and Georgia are probably, you know, I mean, Georgia's going to be preseason number one. I'm sure Bama, even though people are concerned about the quarterback, is going to be preseason top five. So, I mean, there you go. Sorry, you have to go play these guys on the road in those hostile environments. At least the Aggies don't have to deal with that. You have to go to Knoxville and Baton Rouge, but I would much rather go to Knoxville and Baton Rouge than uh, go to Georgia and head to play in Tuscaloosa. Just no thank you. And then, like, speaking of Alabama, the Aggies get them at home. There are nice little parts of this schedule that make it manageable. And I think part of that is – one, the one part of this schedule that I enjoy, and we're going to kind of break it down from a deeper perspective, but one part of the schedule that I think is going to be helpful for the Aggies is some games like this. Um, South Carolina and Mississippi State both being played at Kyle Field. You might wonder, well, why? You know, those are, you know, those are the easier games. I think playing the games like those, where the, the opponents, you know, you should win those games. Those are the f- great games to play at home because you know you play those on the road. Playing on the road leads more leads to more crazy things happening. So when you get to play those games at home, it makes you feel better about just taking care of business against teams that you're better than and you should beat. And that is, I feel like, how you get to a good win total. You get to a good win total by beating the teams you should, and it's easier when you have to do that at home. Um, so you know, like I said, Ole Miss's schedule. I feel bad for him. I'm sorry. Rebel fans, anyone in here tuning in, I feel bad for you all. Have fun with that. Us Aggie fans are lucky enough to not have that crazy stretch on our schedule. So now I'm going to kind of break down 
the five games on this schedule that I look at and I go, oh, that's going to be a tough game. That's that's going to be tough. Um, I've thrown out for this list LSU, Bama, and Tennessee just because, um, just because everyone can agree that those games are going to be tough. Everyone here can sit here and agree that those games are going to stress everybody out. Those are going to be hard games to go in. I don't think there's any reason to have them on the list because they're going to all three be on my list of five teams. So we're going to push those out and talk about five different games. First game that I'm concerned about is a team that we've talked a little bit about, and that's Ole Miss. Texas a and going to have to head to Oxford to take on Ole Miss. Um, I'm not too high on that team. I feel like I never really am. I feel like Ole Miss... Um, I feel like they're a good football team, but I've I've been very clear about I I don't love the way they handle the portal. I just don't love all that. I don't. Um, I talked about that on previous episodes, so you everydayers will know what I'm saying here. But I think you have to have a, a better team chemistry, and I feel like it's hard when you're bringing a ton of guys in the portal every year. So that's why I'm anti Ole Miss. This game's on the road though at Ole Miss, and they're going to be good. I, I know that just because I disagree with the way they kind of do things with the transfer portal doesn't mean they're not going to be a good football team because they are. So it'd be, it'd be, I'd be crazy to deny that. They're going to be a good football team. I think they're going to win eight, nine games this year, potentially, if all goes well in Oxford. Um, with, that schedule makes it tougher because you pretty much already have two losses on the schedule going to Bama and Georgia. But I do think that um, Texas A&M is going to take care of business against Ole Miss. I don't think it's an easy game, but I think they take care of business. I think, I think Texas A&M is the better team, and they should win. With it being on the road brings in those variables of will they win, we'll just have to see. So that's my thoughts there for the Ole Miss game. Number two on my list, and I don't think I mentioned this, but I do have them like in order of most stress to kind of least stress for these five games. Um, Arkansas is number two for me. It's a neutral site game in Texas, of course, but still Arkansas is a good team with a proven quarterback. Uh, great coach. I love what's going on in Fayetteville. I, I like uh, Coach Pittman. I think he's great. I, I've, I've talked about KJ Jefferson. I'm not crazy high on him, but I still think he's a good quarterback and he can go win a football game if he stays healthy and he stays consistent. So um, all five of these games, I want to preface this as well. I do think that Texas A&M, I, well, we'll throw out the Ole Miss for this, but I, I think that the four games I'm going to talk about aside from Ole Miss, including the Arkansas one, I think the Aggies should win. I think the Aggies can beat Ole Miss, and I think that game's kind of more 50-50 down the line. I think Texas a is going to beat Arkansas. I think they should beat Arkansas, but it's still going to be a good game and a tough game for the Aggies to win. So it's one that, like, we're going to go into that game. Arkansas is probably going to be maybe lower teens ranked, and it's going to be a, a, a dogfight of a football game. Auburn in College Station is the next game on my list. I have a weird feeling about this Auburn football team. I think Coach Freeze has done a good job over there. Now, he's hit the transfer portal hard, but he's kind of had to because, you know, he ran into a roster of horribleness after their last coach got fired. So I think Freeze kind of did what he had to to make a passable roster, and I think he's actually done a good job. I still think Texas A&M is, is a better team than Auburn, but I hate that Auburn's kind of getting back because – you know, you don't want Auburn and Bama and LSU and all these schools in the West kind of figuring it back out, and that could be on the way. But um, with this game being in College Station, I think the Aggies should take care of business here, but I do just have kind of a weird feeling about it. Miami game's next on the list, number four. Um, it's it's on the road is the reason I'm really concerned about it. If it was at home, I'd feel a lot better about it. This, this game to me is kind of the same level as the Auburn game. I think 
Um, Texas A&M should win, but it being on the road creates more variables. If, if this game was at home, like I just said, I think the Aggies win that game. Um, so that'll be a fun game. And I, I just have a weird feeling that's going to be a fun ball game. And hopefully Texas A&M ends up on the winning side of it. Next, I have South Carolina. Um, I think South Carolina is a team that they can kind of come out and they can, they can impress you. They can have a big game. They can have a good game. But um, I don't like love the quarterback. I think Rattler's a good quarterback, but I think he's a boomer bust guy. You just have to hope that when he comes into College Station, he busts, he doesn't boom. Because if he booms, it's a tough game to win when he has one of his big games. Um, I think a lot's going well in South Carolina for that team, but I don't think that you're going to see those results potentially this year. I think they're going to have a good year compared to the general South Carolina season, but I think it's not going to be – I don't think they're going to beat Texas A&M at, in College Station. Um. So, you know, that the strength of schedule, it's going to be a tough schedule, but it is a manageable schedule, and I think Texas A&M is going to have a good year. I've been honest about that. I think the Aggies are going to have a good season, and I think they've gotten lucky compared to some other teams in the SEC. There were some Aggies that found themselves on an all-SEC preseason list. We'll talk about that, but first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird dogs, these pants, I don't even, I've run out of words to talk about them. They are so comfortable. You can wear them doing anything you want. You can wear them to, you can wear them to golf. You can wear them to fish. I talk about that because that's what I do on a day-to-day basis. And both of those are activities you can wear them. You know, if you're fishing and you, and you hook into a big one, you, you, you wipe your hand, the water on the pants, whatever you do, it's going to be okay. They dry quick. They're, they're versatile pants. There's nothing you could wear these pants doing and they wouldn't make sense in that event. Uh, so if you head over to birddogs.com slash locked on college and type in promo code locked on college, they'll throw in a free bird dogs logo Yeti style cup with every order. Go give them, go check them out. I promise you're not going to regret it. March madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So... A list came out from a place called Athlon Sports. I, you know, I um, I hadn't heard much about them. And then I, you know, I looked them up a little bit to kind of see, to learn about this list, learn about, you know, are they, is it a bias? Who are they, you know, to make before I brought the list to this list to our show. Um, and I like their work. They do a good job. They have a pretty big following on social media and they write some great articles. So go give them a, a, a look if you, if you like, what um this list and, and think it's a good list, but they put together like a first um an all SEC team preseason type of type of deal. Um they had four teams. Normally it's like you'll see three in honorable mention or two in honorable mention. So they have four teams. So there's a good amount of players on this list and there's a good amount of Aggies on this list as well. But let's run through it. Let's talk about some of these guys and uh should they be higher or they had a good spot. Let's um talk about you know, how we feel about this. So the first guy on first team offense, this is a little weird because um, it's an I Smith. They don't have him listed as a receiver. They have him listed as all purpose. Um, 
I don't know what they're getting at. And then I thought at first when I saw that, I thought, oh, they're saying he could he can do lots of things for the offense. But then a guy like um um oh like the Jarquez Hunter running back from Auburn, he was also listed as all purpose and like he's just a running back. He's not really a gadget guy. So like I don't know what they're getting at there, but I do think it's a testament to uh, Anaya Smith and what he is able to do on a football field. He's an elite talent who can go and make people miss. He can, he's got the speed. He's got everything he needs to, to be a great receiver for the Aggies. I think he's going to have a good year. I've talked about that a lot. Next guy on this list on also on the first team, first offensive team is an, is Evan Stewart. I've talked a lot about Evan Stewart. I feel like it's a waste of time to talk about him. If you all every day have been listening, you know how I feel about him, but I think he's very deserving of being on this list. And he's on the way to a great season, and he deserves to be listed with some of the best wide receivers in the SEC. Uh, first team defense, only one Aggie on this, and it was safety Damani Richardson. Um, Richardson's a guy who, you know, and when I looked at this list at first, I was like, okay, there's some guys who might be a little too high, not even really for the Aggies, more just in general for the SEC. And, you know, I, I, I everyone, every Aggie on this list, no one was overrated. I thought there was actually one or two guys who might have been a bit underrated. Um, I think this is a great spot for Richardson to be. I think he's going to have a great season, and I think he's deserving of being one of the better um, defensive players in the SEC, and that's where Athlon Sports has him listed. A second-team defense, there's one player on there for the Aggies, and that would be McKinley Jackson. Um, he's just a beast. Uh, you know, I think he's going to have a great year. Um, you know, talking about him – I just think this season is going to be a really good year for him. I think he's going to be a monster. I think he's going to be a a nightmare for opposing offensive linemen. So I, I think he deserves to be second team on this list. I actually, it was kind of funny. I saw he was one of the people on um, the list when I when I read this on Twitter. That was I saw some of the comments kind of saying ah, I think that guy was a little bit uh, saying Jackson was a little bit high, and I don't think so. I think he's a great player. I think he's very deserving of being second team on this list. Um, then the Aggies have two guys on the second team, special teams, and it's the um, our Aussie punter, Nick uh, Costanillo. I've still – his last name is – it's hard to pronounce. I've, I worked on that one a while. But, our, you know, our, our Aussie punter, I love how he spells Nick, N-I-K. I think that's – I like that. Um, but he's a great punter, and I think having a good punter is a, is a bigger weapon than many people give it credit for being, you know um, – Special teams matters. It seems like people only ever are angry about special teams. People never really sit back and talk about, oh, you know, um, our, our punter put uh, put him within the five yard line three times. So, it's having a good punter is a good thing for a football team, and I think the Aggies have that. Um, and then the other person that was on the second team special teams was Anaya Smith again as a punt returner. And, um, you know, Smith, he's, he's an elite. And that's why I said a minute ago, when you just put the football in his hands in some capacity, he is going to make magic happen. So I think this is a good spot for him to be as well. Um, I think he's deserving of that. I think he's going to be a good return man this year. Uh, third team offense is going to be center, um, center Bryce Foster. I love seeing our offensive lineman on here. I think Foster is going to have a good season as well. Um, I think he, the, the offensive line last year struggled. There's no – everyone knows that. But I think Foster is going to be a guy who takes a step forward this year and is one of the reasons why I'm so high on this offensive line. I've gotten a couple comments saying, well, you know, the offensive line is depending on a few things, and I agree with those comments. You know, this this offensive line, it could go multiple different ways. But at the end of the day, 
I think the offensive line is going to take a step forward because these guys have the guys who I think are going to be starting for the Aggies this season have a combined 75 starts. So you have an experienced offensive line, and that's a good thing to have. Um, fourth team offense, another lineman be Layden Robinson. Robinson is another guy who I think is going to take a leap forward, like Foster. I think seeing these two guys on this list is exciting because national media members are starting to see, okay, this offensive line is going to take a step forward this year. So, um, yeah, I just think that's a good thing to see for, for Robinson and for Foster. I think if, I think a lot of this team's success is going to be dependent on the offensive line. And some might say, you know, that's a bit of an overstatement or that may, you know, that it's, it's not the end all be all, but, you got to give Wegman time to get the ball to these elite receivers. You got to give some of these great running backs space to run the ball. So that um, is going to be, I think, important for this team. I think the offensive line is going to be a crucial part of this of this football team and their success in 2023. Uh, fourth team defense, uh, Shamar Turner was here. I, he was one of the guys I thought you could have had a team or two higher. That was the one on this list for the Aggies. I thought he could have been a little bit higher. But um, he's another just – this defensive line, and I mean, th this – it's just – it's going to be – watch out. I think they're just going to pummel people. Um, I think they're going to make the running game difficult for opposing teams, and I don't want to be a quarterback when you got all these guys running up after you. So seeing those guys getting some national recognition is really exciting. And the last point I'll make to that, talking about these guys – is that I think it shows how talented this team is. And I don't think many people have been questioning the talent of this football team. I think the question marks surrounding this Texas A&M football team have been more directed around, like, can the coaching staff get it done? How's the dynamic with Coach Petrino and Coach Fisher going to work? Those have been more the off-season question marks rather than the um, talent of the team. But um, I do think that what's going to be important for this team is just is, is it all coming together. I think the talent's there. I think the coaching staff and their play calling, if it all comes together, the talent is here for this team to be elite in 2023. So it's good to see these guys getting some national recognition because they, of course, deserve it. The Aggies got a big-time win over the Tennessee Volunteers in the SEC Baseball Tournament. Yep, that is correct. The Aggies got a big, big, massive, gargantuan opening round win over the Tennessee Volunteers in the first round of the SEC Baseball Tournament in Hoover. 3-0 win. Tip the cap right here. Tip it to Troy Lansing. Wow. I, I, don't, I don't even know what to, this performance. Well, let's break it down. Eight innings, one hit, seven strikeouts. Whew, I haven't talked much about it. I, I did play baseball in college. I was a left-handed pitcher. Um, and so I really appreciate pitching. I, I love pitching. I love this. And that's why I, I like to talk a lot about baseball. Um, but what he did today, what, what Wansing did today, he, it was just, it was, it's hard to, to break it down. I mean, his off speed was working. He was hitting the corners. Uh, before the game started, the announcers were talking about how he struggled with control throughout the year. And he had a lot of walks based on the innings he'd pitched. And that was true. And he was coming into this game kind of struggling a little bit. But he comes in when his team needs him most, and he buckles down and shuts down the Tennessee Volunteers. 
Of course, he. I think he will. He would have gone nine innings had it not been for the two-hour rain delay. The game got delayed in the top of the ninth inning, and it was about a two-hour and six-minute delay, and the game had to be finished after that delay. So, of course, he wasn't going to come back in and pitch again. Um, so, I, what a performance. Just Texas A&M fans, I mean, there's not enough good you can say about what he did in this baseball game. Uh, Jay Slavalette hit a bomb. And when I say a bomb, I mean, this ball was hammered. He got a pitch, a kind of a hanger. And, you know, he, the, you know, they say hang and bang. It was hung and he banged it. Um, he sent it right over the right center field wall, deep over the fence, up into the pine trees in Hoover. This ball was just crushed. Uh, Lavalette, he, he, he's just one of the, he, he, He's so impressive. It, it's, it's, I'm so excited about this baseball game. It's hard to even put it into words, but he's going to be a great player for a long time. He's going to make a lot of money, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a guy that gets called up to the big leagues someday just based off what he's done early on in his career at Texas A&M. Um, Austin Boast had an RBI base knock as well. This was a big hit. It was a one-out hit, and, you know, when you got a guy on third base and there's one out, the only thing you really can't do is strike out. Boast did a good job. He took a pitch. He just – Shot it right back up the middle, kind of on the shortstop side of the, of the second base, and got the run in. Um, good job by Bose to, to add some runs because Tennessee is a dangerous offense. Even though uh, Wansing was having a good game at any point, uh, you know this all that that Tennessee offense could break through. So it was a good job to keep tacking on runs. Uh, the third run came off a fielder's choice. The Aggies collected one there. Um, it's just a good team baseball win. And then to come out after the rain delay, get three outs and shut it down, it's a big win. The Aggies play Arkansas. Um, well, I'm trying to think when this will be coming out because I recorded the day before. Yeah, this they'll be playing Arkansas when you the, today. If you all are watching this, they're going to be playing it today. That's the first time I've ever had to say something like that with me recording the day before. That's, that's funny. But they're going to be playing Arkansas. One o'clock is the time that I've seen the game listed at, but you know, in Hoover, there's rain and there are so many different things that happen all the time. So if that game gets pushed back a little bit, it wouldn't come as any surprise to me, but that was a big win. That win, the Aggies were already locked into the field of 64 with the 14 conference wins in the regular season, but that win just really locks you down. Maybe moves you up a seed. It gets you in a bit, a little bit of a better spot. Um, and I'm going to steal a little thunder from, from Ole Miss's last year baseball team, but don't let the Aggies get hot. This baseball team can go on a run. Preseason top 10 team. We know the talent this Texas A&M team has. It just didn't pan out as many would have hoped in the regular season. But when you get out of SEC play as a baseball team, anything can happen. And the Aggies are now officially getting out of they're they're getting ready to get out of SEC play and go play in a regional to represent the SEC. And I wouldn't be and this is I don't think this is sunshine plumbing. I believe this about every SEC team that makes it into a regional. I think every SEC team that can makes it that is going to be in a regional can make it to Omaha because I that's how powerful I think the SEC is in baseball. So saying that there's a chance that the Aggies could make it back to Omaha is in no way a crazy statement. This team is kind of heating up. They did a great job coming back and winning those two games against Mississippi State last weekend after a rough opening uh, game, the first game of the series loss. So this team is feeling good about themselves, and I think it's a good time to be feeling good about yourself. Momentum is real, my friends. Momentum is very real. So hopefully this momentum continues in the Aggies game against Arkansas coming up, and if we will discuss that 
episode. Here's, I mean, we will discuss that game on regardless of the outcome here soon, and, and then we'll keep talking about baseball. You know, of course, when the Aggies get put in the regional, we'll discuss more then and break that down. But I, yeah, I love some Texas A&M baseball, love some college baseball in general. So I'm glad to see the Aggies heating up at the right time. But that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Aggies. I really appreciate you all tuning in. If you all want to leave a comment saying what player was left off of that um, list by Athlon Sports that you think should have been there or the five games you're most concerned about for this 2023 season, go ahead and drop that in the comments. I appreciate you all tuning in, and we will see you tomorrow.